born to die He might give eternal life that I might live then rose again Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. For Jesus saved my soul that night. Alrighty, take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew in chapter 11. Now we're going to talk about something that we often hear, you know, uh, what was the message that you're going to preach tonight? Or what's the message of last Sunday or the week before? And sometimes we think the message was just um, the title of whatever was, you know, reveals the content of whatever we're talking about. We try to narrow it down just a few words. And uh, sometimes there's a message in every verse. And then sometimes you can read a verse, and there's three or four messages in that one verse. And so sometimes we want to try to squeeze it and get all that we can out of it. Or sometimes we just want to taste this verse and taste that verse, and then whichever one you like, and go back there and squeeze some more out of it later. Well, we're always trying to develop a taste for the Word of God. When it says, desire the sincere Milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Taste and see that the, the Lord is good. And so we want to taste and see. So here's one of the messages that I want to bring to your attention tonight. So take your Bible and turn there to the book of Matthew in chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And see if uh, you can figure out now what is the message in this verse? What, what is he saying? Here in verse 28. He makes this statement. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me. Well, I wonder who that's talking to. What's the message that's found in these few little words right here? But now remember this. Sometimes we talk about, well, what's the context? Well, there's another verse before this verse. That a lot of times it's um, lost because there's uh, words that people have put in and added in between the verses. But just look in verse 27, first of all. In verse 27, all things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man of the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So God wants us to know him more than anything else in the world. But he says it's the son that reveals the father to us. And then he talks about 
understanding these things about some wisdom and where it comes from. And so here you look in Matthew in chapter 11, look in verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and says, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent. Now that's the little smart addicts in their own eyes. Those are two highly educated They don't need to know what God has to say. They don't need to listen to Jesus and his little sermonettes because they can figure out things on their own. You know, there's people today, I don't need the Bible. I don't need God telling me what I can and cannot do. I mean, it's my life, and after all, I can make my own decisions. I don't need somebody else telling me how to live or what I have to believe. And we know we can't force people to respond to God. It's just impossible. If he could, I'd sure try. But people are free to choose whether to listen, to hear, obey, or disobey, whatever they can do. Because if you can't reach a person with truth, and if truth don't change a person or motivate a person, forget it. It's not going to happen. It's not worthy of happening. But look at the last part of this verse 25. He says, and hath revealed them. You've got to underline this part of the verse. Reveal them. On the babes. So there's some people that are like, well, they got childlike faith. God can say something and they'll just believe it. And then you have other people, they want to challenge everything. They got to twist everything. They always look for another meaning or another motive. God can't really mean what he's saying. And so therefore they don't learn because of pride. They exalt themselves thinking that they're so intelligent, so far above everybody else. And so you have people that are like that. And so he says down here in verse 28. You that want to know God, you, you that want to have things revealed to you. Now, you can't be like the people who are lifted up with their own personal pride and think they don't need it. You have to come like as a child. The faith of a child to just believe, to trust. So he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. In other words, there are people who are really burdened down. They have a a yoke upon themselves. Now, sometimes people put yokes upon themselves. We burden ourselves down with things that God never did. And sometimes because we are bent on doing and enjoying life to the fullest, we want to do everything we possibly can. And so we can load ourselves down with things that um, maybe become burdens to us. And they become so heavy, they start weighing us down, and you begin to drag. You, You can lose your joy of serving God. You become so burdened and feel like everything that you're doing is just a big old heavy yoke. And sometimes it's not because of the yoke of the Lord. It's because of things we've added on into our life. So he says, come unto me. Now this word, come unto me, a lot of time when you see that phrase used, it's talking about salvation. But not necessarily all the time, but it can. And there's nothing wrong in applying that verse to that here. Come unto all you that labor and are heavy laden. You realize how many people are trying to earn their way to heaven how burdened down they are, trying to earn something they cannot earn, striving to get something they can't have. And it's like I've said before, you know, 
climbing a ladder for 20 years and find out it's landing on the wrong wall. Working for something all your life and find out it was free after all. Well, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, it took away all the work of me trying to earn my way to heaven because I could rest in what Christ did. He did all the work. All I had to do was trust him. So yes, there is a, a rest that God has for those who will come to him and trust him as Savior and accept the work that he did. And you eliminated so many problems in your life. Because before, see, when you think you have to earn your way to heaven, you've got to do so many things. And then you find out, well, lo and behold, you didn't have to do any of those things. Because eternal life is a gift. But look at another part of this verse. See there in verse 29, it kind of goes together with it. Take my yoke upon you. Now here's talking about taking a yoke. Now we're talking about salvation and then service. It doesn't matter. You can apply it in many ways. But take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So this is, I believe, talking about your walk with God. And learning about the Lord. We see in verse 25 when he talks about being revealed. And then last part of verse 27, uh, talking about revealing. And Don, you're talking about the Son is going to reveal God the Father to you. You're going to learn about the Lord. And you'll learn about God when he talks about you shall learn of me. See that verse? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. When you learn about Jesus Christ, you're learning about the Father. And so there is a a yoke, a burden, a responsibility. And everybody has burdens. And sometimes we have burdens that we worry about all the time, and they don't bring us peace of mind. They don't, well, as he says here, my yoke is what? In verse 30, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you think serving the Lord is hard, try not serving the Lord. That's when it's hard. Because now you have got to face the world and all of its problems on your own. And you don't have the wisdom to do it. And that's why the world will destroy you. That's why you can't trust the flesh because the flesh is like a yoke of iron upon you. And it'll crush you. It'll weigh you down and totally dismantle you. He says in the last part of the verse 29, and you shall find rest unto your soul. See, it's one thing that when you trust Christ as Savior, well, that, that can bring peace between you and God. But when you learn how to walk with the Lord and, and take his responsibility upon yourself, now you've got the Lord to walk with you through life. And he can help you in all kinds of relationships, all, all, with everybody and everything. But when you don't, it's kind of like you're alone. Because, you see, God, God's not there for you to use as a power to help accomplish what your dreams and goals are. God has a plan. And he wants to use you to accomplish what he wants done. It's not so much as, what would you like to do with your life? No, what would God like to do with my life? You know, one of the greatest things that burdens me today, and it's more so as I'm getting older. And y'all didn't know that, but I'm getting older. And the older I get, I become more burdened and concerned because so many young people are not burdened about the Lord. They don't have a burden for souls. They don't want to be used by God to win people to Christ. 
They just want to go ahead and do whatever they want to do with their life, and there's like there's no concern. What about all those people going to hell? Let them go to hell. And every man has to decide, what are you going to do about it? If God uses people, does God use us as instruments to try to reach lost people? Well, if he does, then what are we going to do about it? Every person, their whole purpose of their life is to do something about that. And when we don't do anything about that, we want to use God to do whatever we want. That's more important. And yet the very one that we talk about loving and want to serve, and he holds our very breath in his hands. He could stop our heart at any given time. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Philippians chapter 4. The book of Philippians in chapter 4. It's a little old bitty verse. But it's a verse that talks about, you know, the, the fellowship that we have with one another and being fellow laborers together. And it's uh, mentioned here in uh, a very interesting verse. Philippians in chapter 4, uh, look what he says now. He's saying some things about some dearly beloved brethren. You know, people that labored with him in the ministry. And the older I get, the more I realize that over the years, how many people have labored with me in the ministry for the gospel's sake. And I think about some of the sacrifices they've made over the years. I even think about my brother, little man, when he came to Colorado. He had a job at a post office where he could have made you know, good money and a good retirement. And he gave it all up so that he could help me and build a ministry. And he worked for me for about $25 a week because that's all I could pay. And he run a bus ministry teaching the college he helped, in, and his wife, she helped teach in the Christian school. The very first year we had kids in our school, and one of those kids was little old Greg Steer. But they would sacrifice, and they did what they could just so that we could get some things rolling. And he spent so many hours, and, we, and in years, he spent in the ministry just helping his big brother try to get something accomplished. Do you think God saw any of that? And God's going to reward him for doing so? I think so. But there's, there's people that as you go through life, that you also kind of link arms together for the sake of the gospel. And look there in verse 3. And I entreat the also true yoke fellow. This is where fellows are yoked together. It's like having a big old yoke upon my neck. And, and here's my brother and he's got his head in the other yoke. Or here's the preacher and here's Jesse Martinez. And we're yoked together. Yoked together for the cause of getting something done. And we can pull a load a lot easier and better. And it's lighter and it's more encouraging when you're doing something with somebody else. Don't you just love it when you see other people pitching in to help? And doesn't it become kind of discouraging when... Sometimes you feel like you've got to do all the work and there's not enough labors. You remember anything that Jesus might have said in the book of Matthew chapter 9? He says uh, along this line. He says, the harvest is plenteous, but something else. The labors are what? So many, I don't need them all. The labors are what? Few. Do you think that's true today? That was 2,000 years ago. 
Things have really changed, haven't they? Now we just got so many, we don't want to do with them. No, it's about the same way. 10% of the people do most of the work. Probably 90% of the work that has to be done. But look at this verse again. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, labored with me in the gospel. See, there's a reason why you do what you do. There's something behind it. And that's that they labored together. And then the last part of that verse talks about it. And with other, my fellow laborers, they're people who work together and they're yoked together for the cause of Christ. I believe we've got some men on our board of elders that are yoked together for the cause of Christ. And they're good men, godly men. And we're all got the same yoke. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is, oh, it's so, so hard being an elder. I would like to think they do it with joy. And as long as we do it together and encourage one another, it seems like it's not so heavy. Sometimes I got a heavy decision to make here in the ministry. You know what I'll do? <laughs> we need an elders meeting. And I tell them what the problem is. And then they, they agree. And then, then they handle it. So I just, very, just, I just give it to them. See how easy that was? I don't have to bear it all by myself. And when there's some things that need to be done, I just say, hey, Jesse. Now, Jesse's got the problem. Learn how to, you know, delegate. Delegate. Isn't that a wonderful word? But you can't delegate to people who don't have time to get things done. You never delegate things to a lazy person. Why? They can't, they don't have time to get it done. You have to delegate things to busy people. Because they're the only ones who knows how to get it done. And so they don't want to always wait to the end. They want to get it done as quick as they can because they got something else that has to be done. So you delegate things to busy people, not lazy people, because they'll always have a reason why they didn't get it done. So always keep that in mind. And this is something, I look in verse 4 where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, complain. Poor, poor me. Wine, wine, wine. You need any crackers with that? Well, anyway, you can, you know, be yoked together the way we should. And you can also do some things you shouldn't do. Look in 2 Corinthians and chapter 6. 2 Corinthians and chapter 6. Now, here's an interesting couple of verses. Look in verse 14. See, God wants those who believe the same way, of the same mind, to be yoked together. God doesn't mean for us to be little mavericks all by ourselves and all alone. That's what makes a church so important. It's what makes a church powerful when God's people work together to get something done. It's called yoke fellow. Fellows that are yoked together for the cause of Christ. But there's another word that's used here also in verse 14. But be ye not unequally yoked together with what? With unbelievers. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. And there's a reason for all of that. You see, when he makes a statement here not to be yoked together with unbelievers... For what, and here's a few words, fellowship, uh, 
communion, concord in verse 15, which means like agreement with people. The other word agreement in verse 16 is with things, you know, temples and so forth and idols like that. And so you have a purpose in life and you you will burden yourself down more by yoking yourself together under burdens with the wrong people. And you have to watch doing that in business. Because if anybody in business does something wrong and God has to chasten them, he's going to chasten you right along with them. And that's why you have to be careful. Is it possible that um, a man and a woman can get married to the wrong person? Is it possible? Now, the Bible does say, he that findeth a woman findeth a good thing. So what does that mean? It means a woman's lost without a man. <laughs> no. But if the woman is lost, she's lost, and the man is saved, should he marry her? Hmm? What do you think? I mean, what's the message you would get from that? Be not unequally yoked together between a Christian and an atheist, as it mentions here, an infidel. Somebody who's with God and somebody who's without God, should they get along peacefully and have happy communion No, it shouldn't. It should cause a lot of turmoil and a lot of. You you put a yoke upon yourself that can destroy you and weigh you down and burden you. And so you have to be very, very careful. So you look what he says here in uh, uh, verse 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them. Walk in them and will be their God and they shall be my people. So what God is saying, look, we don't have a temple today. This is not the temple of God, this church. My body is the temple of God. And he lives within my body. This body is his temple. And so because my body is the temple of God, he says, I will be their God and they will be my people. I am, I'm the child of God. So Me and God should be yoked together for the same purpose in life. Don't you agree? Whatever it is God wants me to do, I should be willing to do and take his yoke. It means I should live for the burden he wants to place upon my neck. The purpose for my life should be whatever his requirement, whatever he wants. But you see, I should be a love slave, a a bond slave. The word is doulos in the Greek and it's found in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4 and verse 1 where it says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. It means I am a love slave. See, we don't serve God because we're little slaves, but we're love slaves. I love him so much I can trust his yoke. And I don't run from his yoke. I don't run from his Responsible, a burden I guess he want to place upon me. What is it that God wants me to do with my life? And I can allow him to put that yoke upon me, that burden upon me. And the thing that I see very little of today is people who are willing to have a burden for souls. You see, burden for souls means that I'm living here in this present life, at this present time, to get as many people from here to there. 
And it's always been something that has, I guess, dogged me all my life. Because I keep trying to think of ways in which I can, how can we get more? How can we get more? And I thank the Lord for the ministry that God's given us so that we can reap, reach a little bit more. But I'm sure there's a lot more that we can do and should do. But the last part of verse 16 again, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now look what he says in verse 17. The reason that he says, come out from among them and be ye separate, because your burden is separate. It's it's not the same as theirs. Your yoke is not the same as theirs. God doesn't want us to be conformed to this world by wearing their yoke for living like they want us to live. We're, We're different. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind because our yoke is different. And he says in verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Be separate, not to be a fence straddler, not to be a compromiser, and I will receive you, and you will be a father unto you. Ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God. So we're supposed to live like God is my father, and I am his child. And he's going to reveal these things to us. Now, The very next verse in chapter 7 goes with what was finishing up there in chapter 6. So let's just finish up with verse 18 and look in verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting our holiness in the fear of God. Whatever it is God wants me to do with my life. It's the perfecting of holiness in the fear of God. Living my whole life with a high, holy, reverential respect for God himself. And God will bless us for doing so. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts in chapter 15. Acts in chapter 15. I just wonder about this verse just a little bit. You remember when Jesus was uh, being... um, Oh, tempted by the devil. And he says, why don't you take these stones and make them bread? Because he was hungry, hadn't ate for a long time. And, I mean, if you're the son of God, how hard would it be for you just to take these stones and make bread out of them? I mean, if I had the power, I, you'd be surprised. I'd, I'd turn so many things into a chocolate eclair. <laughs> oh, that was good. Boy, that was good. But anyway... I can't have them chocolate eclairs, so so much for that. But here in Acts chapter 15, it's um, got something interesting, you know, for us. And look in verse, verse 10. Look in verse 10. Because now the issue had come up about the Gentiles who had trusted Christ as Savior. And God had used Peter to reach Cornelius, some Gentiles. And God had already established the fact that Gentiles could be saved, just like the Jews, by grace and grace alone. Peter had a problem, but God had to deal with him, finally convinced him. And so, since God had, you know, gave his word and established the fact, there shouldn't be any more question about it. But they came up with a, well, should, should we have to put these Gentiles... Under the law? No. Well, what about uh, not just to be saved, but to stay saved? No. 
What about just to live the good old Christian life, putting people back under the law? No. So anyway, Paul and Barnabas had to go, and they went to this big meeting they were having in Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, um, in uh, Jerusalem. And so they um, all got together, and they came to the conclusion that um, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to keep the law. And they didn't have to put these Gentiles under the law because they were coming out from Judaism. So why put these Gentiles under Judaism? Amazes me. Dr. Arnold has many items to help you in your walk with the Lord, including videos, books, tracts, outlines to hundreds of sermons, over 4,000 radio messages, and preaching schedule. Once again, feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. That's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace. Amazing.